Welcome to Puzzling It Out, Thoughts and Perspectives from a Clinical Psychologist. Hello, I'm Dr. Gail Lewis, your podcast host, and I'm a clinical psychologist practicing on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. This is the second in a series of podcast episodes focusing on multiple sclerosis, and I've entitled this episode, If You're Not in a Wheelchair, How Could You Possibly Have MS? And my reason for doing that is that I've had a lot of experience working with people in the MS community, both patients, uh, support partners of patients, uh, treaters of people who have MS, where I have heard both experientially and anecdotally that very often they experience people who are not familiar with someone who has MS or have not had the experience of knowing someone who has MS has a very limited view on what MS is and that usually falls in the bracket of if you have MS you must be noticeably disabled ergo you must be in a wheelchair or near being in a wheelchair and if you're not showing evidence of being disabled in that way then you can't possibly have MS, which of course is a very narrow and very ignorant way of looking at the disease. And I can't fault people for having that assumption uh, in that many people, if you ask them what they know about MS, they will often refer to somebody who might have been diagnosed with MS over 40 or 50 years ago. And at that time, there were no disease-modifying treatments. There were no MRI scans to assess for what was going on with MS in the person and what the disease progression was like. And there were no ways of treating the disease as there are now. And therefore, people would progress without any kind of assistance that is available in present day and often progress to the point of being in a wheelchair. While that wasn't always the case, that usually is the case that people have etched in their minds. And the ignorance that people have can be due to a lack of proper education, um, a lack of trying to be independently informed for a variety of reasons. It's ignorance nonetheless. And I'm going to try to just say it in a very neutral way that I'm not blaming people for being ignorant. Um, I'm just saying that that's kind of a, kind of the case for, for many people. So, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this is to help people become more informed about what can be involved in MS beyond the perception that if somebody has MS then they're definitely going to either be in a wheelchair or at some point uh, their disease is going to progress in such a way that the inevitability is that a wheelchair will be part of their daily existence. And this can understandably upset many people who have MS because as one of the pamphlets that is published by the National MS Society is entitled 
but you look so good. Many people with MS are told that because whatever symptoms they might be experiencing, they're not very visible to the human eye, as would be someone sitting in a wheelchair, not able to walk, not able to ambulate, not able to mobilize in any kind of way. Um, there are symptoms such as numbing or tingling, uh, weakness, spasticity, which is, it refers to feelings of stiffness and a range of involuntary muscle spasms. Uh, there are vision problems that uh, people might have that are not very obvious to people who are in that MS person's life. Someone with MS might experience dizziness and vertigo. They might have bladder or bowel problems, uh, which brings me to the topic of you might not know about symptoms that somebody has because someone might be ashamed of the symptoms that they have. And bladder and bowel problems, and I mean incontinence, is a very common symptom of MS and people don't really want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about not being able to leave home because they're afraid they're going to have an accident. They don't want to talk about having to go to the drugstore and buy Depends. They don't want to have to deal with the failure of their bladder and bowel systems to be able to have control um, in the way that it used to and in a way that other people continue to have control over every day when they don't have MS. There are also sexual problems that could come up with MS. And I've certainly found in my work, both in my private practice and when I worked at NYU's Langone's MS Care Center, that patients would talk to me about sexual problems they might have. Uh, for women, it could be numbness in their vaginal area, uh, not being able to feel anything, not being able to feel having an orgasm uh, because of pain they might have in other areas of their body, being in a variety of sexual positions can be incredibly uncomfortable. Um, for men, there can be uh, the situation of having erectile dysfunction and people don't talk to their doctors about this uh, and I've I, I think it has to do with shame. I think it has to do with not being able to have enough time with the doctor and the very managed care quick appointments that we have these days. Uh, but mostly it's because they don't want to talk about it because it's really uncomfortable. But these problems do exist. And these and ones that I've mentioned already are issues that can be addressed and can be addressed um, both behaviorally and medicinally. There's also the issue of cognitive changes that can occur with MS, memory loss, um, 
difficulty being able to process information, to learn and remember new information, to organize and to problem solve, to be focused on what one is doing in an attentive way and to accurately perceive what is going on. Those symptoms might be noticeable to an outsider based on you know, conversational interaction. They might notice that the person with MS seems forgetful or loses a train of thought. But someone who is not knowledgeable about MS might not immediately attribute that to having MS. They might look at it from other perspectives uh, in that I, I don't assume MS would be a first thought in that kind of situation. There's also um, the situation where someone with MS could have depression. Um, and many people with MS have severe depression. And it's the most common symptom of MS. And it is more common amongst people with MS than it is in the general population or in persons with many other chronic disabling conditions. And emotional changes, uh, along with and apart from depression, can be a reaction to the stresses of living with MS, as well as the result of neurologic and immune changes. And significant depression, mood swings, irritability, and episodes of uncontrollable laughing and crying, which is called the pseudobulbar affect, can pose significant challenges for people with MS and the people surrounding them. So these are all invisible symptoms that someone with MS can and might quite likely be dealing with every single day. And someone on the outside might have absolutely no idea, both because these symptoms are, again, are not obvious to the naked eye because the person with MS might choose not to share what they're going through for a whole slew of reasons. One could be is that the person with MS may, he or she themselves, might not want to know, might not want to acknowledge, might not want to share, might not want to let somebody into the vulnerability of what it feels like to have some of these symptoms. And uh, they don't want to acknowledge to themselves, much less to another person, that they are being affected by this disease that can make somebody feel completely out of control of their functioning, of their bodies, of their minds, of their emotions. And to, to show that can be incredibly overwhelming. Um, and sometimes, you know, some of these symptoms are very hard not to show, but I've also experienced that many people who have these symptoms uh, often see them as questionable. You know, maybe they're not really symptoms of MS. Maybe they're symptoms of something else. For example, depression. That's a very common symptom that I, I find talking with people who have MS where they question, well, is this really about my MS or is it about something else? I was depressed before I was diagnosed with MS, so how do I know that this isn't about depression from other things that are going on in my life or that it's not just chronic to who I am as a person? Um, 
And it is important for people to know the difference. I've asked that question, like, how come it's important to know where your depression is coming from? And it is. People want to know the source of what is going on for them. They don't always want to talk about it. They don't always want it to be noticeable to other people, but they want to know the difference. Now, I've left one of the symptoms of MS uh, to the end of this because I think I want to spend more time discussing it, and that would be fatigue. Um, now, fatigue is one of the most common symptoms of MS occurring in about 80% of people who have MS. And it is one of the primary causes of early departure from the workforce. Um, and fatigue can be the most prominent symptom in a person who otherwise has minimal activity limitations. I'd like to read you something that I just read myself about fatigue. It's a quote, fatigue is different than being tired. When you are tired, you know that if you can just get some sleep, you will feel better. But fatigue is still there when you wake up. It stays with you all day. It is a lack of energy, a feeling of mental, emotional, and physical exhaustion. And one more, you don't know what fatigue is until you've had to rest after taking a shower. The cause of MS fatigue is currently unknown. Ongoing studies seek an objective test that can be used as a marker for fatigue and for precise ways to measure it. Some people say that family members, friends, coworkers, or employers sometimes misinterpret their fatigue and think they are depressed or just not trying hard enough. And also I found that people who have MS often wonder, is it that I'm just not trying hard enough? Um, and that I need to push through this and I should be able to push through this. The should is probably more of a thought process than I need to. People with MS can experience fatigue that is unrelated to having MS per se. Other medical conditions and vitamin deficiencies, for example, can cause fatigue. And it's important to ensure that your fatigue is a result of your MS and not something else that has a different treatment. And there are several different kinds of fatigue that occur in people with MS. For example, people who have bladder dysfunction or nocturnal muscle spasms may be sleep deprived and experience fatigue as a result. And people who are depressed can also have fatigue. Anyone who needs to expend considerable effort just to accomplish daily tasks such as dressing, brushing your teeth, bathing, preparing meals, can also experience additional fatigue as a result. In addition to these sources of fatigue, there is a particular kind of fatigue referred to as lassitude that is unique to people with MS. And that this lassitude or MS fatigue generally occurs on a daily basis, can occur early in the morning, even after a restful night's sleep. It tends to worsen as the day progresses it tends to be aggravated by heat and humidity. It comes on easily and suddenly, is generally more severe than normal fatigue, and is more likely to interfere with daily responsibilities. And MS-related fatigue, to note, it does not appear to be directly correlated with either the depression or the degree of physical impairment that one is experiencing. And 
I know from my work with patients in my private practice, from working at NYU Langone's MS Care Center, from meeting with patients when I was a consultant at the wonderful organization Can Do MS, working with people the National MS Society, that fatigue is one of those symptoms that plagues people's every, every daily existence, both in terms of having it and fearing it, um, and not really know, knowing how to deal with it, not knowing how to manage it, not knowing how to explain it without feeling like they're being lazy um, and without worrying that people that they're describing it to are going to see them as lazy and see them as not trying hard enough, not pushing through with more energy, which is you know, kind of a joke because it's a lack of energy that makes fatigue at some points feel so overwhelming that you don't have any energy, uh, that the thought of getting up from your couch and moving 10 feet to go to your kitchen, just the thought of it is exhausting. And it's kind of hard to describe that to somebody who does not have the experience of having that kind of fatigue. So very often people with MS you know, question the reality of fatigue in particular. Patients with MS often question the symptoms that they have. Question, for example, if a symptom is one that comes and goes, which some symptoms do, uh, symptoms are not consistently ongoing, um, but rather intermittent in the way that the symptom shows itself or is experienced. And that can make a person feel like, well, you know, maybe this isn't that serious. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. It's not there all the time. It's not that debilitating. It's not something that I can't try to find a way to live with. But fatigue is one of those that people have a particularly difficult time living with. Uh, because of how it affects them, because of how they experience other people's experience of their fatigue, and because the treatments for fatigue currently um, are not, in my opinion, are not very effective. And, and I mean medicinal treatments. There are medications that can address the fatigue that one can build up a tolerance to. And that's why I say I don't think they're particularly effective because when you start taking them, it, you can you know, feel more energized, you can counteract the overwhelmingly exhausting experience of fatigue, but you eventually need more and more of the medication to have the same desired effect. And you get to a point again where you build a tolerance where the medication loses its effectiveness entirely. There are other techniques that are used to try to help combat fatigue that are 
very valuably oriented um, via an occupational therapist and I will talk about these techniques in another episode when I talk about treatments and symptom relief. So there are ways to mitigate the often excruciating experience of fatigue or the excruciating onset of it, but it doesn't really take away the fatigue in in its entirety. It it just won't do that, as many of these medications won't do for other symptoms as well. The medications are not meant to uh, eliminate entirely some of the symptom experiences that people have can make living with those symptoms easier. Uh, but fatigue is one of those where the medication doesn't really have that long-lasting effect of making living with it much easier. So on that point, I'm going to come to a conclusion here. But before I do, I'm just going to say that I, I want to answer a question that hasn't been asked but might be going around in your mind. You know, how do I have the ability to be able to talk about these symptoms and these, these perceptions of MS? What's my experience to be able to do that? Well, I am a certified MS care specialist. I am an MS provider in care through the National MS Society. And full disclosure, I myself have multiple sclerosis. I was diagnosed many years ago while I was working at the NYU Langone's MS Care Center, ironic as that was. Um, and while I have been very fortunate in that my disease course has been very benign and I currently am asymptomatic, I can say that there are some symptoms that I mentioned earlier that I have experienced and I can empathize with, not just sympathize with, that when I had to explain to somebody that I felt like I had needles and fire coming from under my skin, poking through my skin, burning up under my skin. Yet when you touched the area that I was referring to, there was no warmth there, there were no puncture marks, there was no sign of injury. It's, I, I saw how difficult it was for somebody not having the experience to truly understand what that feels like. And I can tell you it feels pretty awful. And I've also had the experience, and I can only say once, um, and I'm grateful that it was only once that I experienced fatigue. And I remember um, I was actually on my way home from my neurologist appointment, and I had gone to Whole Foods and bought a whole bunch of things and decided to walk home with my very heavy bags uh, to my apartment. And I realized that about two blocks from my apartment, I just 
had this overwhelming feeling of exhaustion and looking down the block to where I had to go I thought I can't I just I can't do it the thought of it seemed just absolutely impossible and I'm a very active person I I've been a marathon or I've been a triathlete I love to walk around Manhattan uh, so the idea of being able to walk two blocks seeming to be an impossibility was so far removed from any reality that I ever had before but let me tell you that those last two blocks felt like the most painful um, experience of having to lift my legs and move my body inches at a time I just didn't think that I'd ever be able to make it home and I did um, and I I don't even think I put my groceries away I just plopped myself on my couch and I couldn't get up I, I could not get up for hours um, I just could not move and sincerely the thought of moving was overwhelmingly awful so I, I can talk about this not just from my my vast experience at this point in my professional career working with people who have MS but I can also say while I haven't had all of the symptoms and I'm again I'm very grateful for that and I certainly hope I don't have all the symptoms that I described earlier I had I have had some of them um, and I, I can understand at least in part from my experience what it feels like um, and what it's like to tell somebody you have MS now I'm not offended when someone says to me but you look so good but I do know that many people with MS are offended by that uh, I know I look good I know that I don't look ill I don't look like I'm impaired because I'm not and I'm I feel very fortunate about that but I also can understand that moment of feeling like you're not understood that you're not you're not talking to somebody who gets it um, even if they eventually get it that first moment of experiencing them is just not getting it you have this moment of feeling like screw you um, you have no idea what this is like and I have had that moment I had that moment a long time ago I don't I don't have those moments anymore but I do understand from the people with whom I work why they have those moments and why it can feel so terrible to them so I'm gonna end there and I want to thank you again so much for listening and if you have any questions if you'd like to talk to me about your experience either having MS or supporting somebody who has MS or have questions about some of the psychological issues that come up in the course of the MS experience please contact me through my website which is at drgaillewis.com my email address is there my office phone number is there there's also a, a link to schedule an appointment I'd be happy to talk further about any questions or feedback that you might have additionally on my website where the podcast is hosted uh, there is a place to put comments by all means do that as well and I'm currently 
listed on Apple's podcast site, so you can find and subscribe to my podcast both via my website and through Apple. So thank you again, and I look forward to my next episode with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.